It's Red River Rivalry Week here on Football on the 40. Though most of the nation will be focused on other games with a highly unusual under-the-radar matchup between Texas and Oklahoma, we are here to get you pumped up for the biggest week of the season. As always, our show is hosted by Bowen Kai, Kevin Mathis, Andrew Harris, and Jake Robinson. But also backed by popular demand, Mary Paige Harris and first-time guest Emily Kai will join us for the critically acclaimed Fashion Focus. They will discuss the latest trends and critique the attire of our esteemed first lady, L'Oreal Sarkeesian. That's coming up shortly. But first, does anyone have a good Oklahoma joke to get us started? Well, Kev lived there for a number of years, so there's that. (laughs) (laughs) I did. I did. I lived. I not lived. I was in Oklahoma for about two years, and it was probably the worst two years of my adult life. Uh, Did not enjoy it. I can attest to the fact that OU fans hate Texas fans year-round, and uh, Oklahoma State fans don't like us much either, but... Yeah. Um, I don't have many nice things to say about that. And I'm glad I'm back in Texas. <laughs> Kev, we're glad you're back in Texas too. Just one quick question about your Oklahoma experience. Do you still have the cot? I <laughs> threw away the cot. I threw away the cot. Yeah. In spent... like 15 seconds, can you explain the story about the, about the cot? Gosh, I, I forgot it. Oh, um, I got this. I got this. Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin was feeling like Kevin watched like some documentary or something on Netflix, and he was just he took on this like minimalism. minimalist lifestyle. He was really big into minimalism, so he sold a bunch of his possessions, including his like bed frame and mattress, and just decided <laughs> to sleep on like the equivalent of like an army cot for like <laughs> months. So that was a phase of his life. Yeah, I think when we was... came to see you. To visit you, I think you had the cot. I can't recall 100%, but I'm pretty sure the cot was there. I was finding who I was, you know? Yeah. I'm not going to define myself by possessions, you know? But seriously, I watched a the minimalism documentary on Netflix and thought I was going to change it up. I listed that (laughs) queen mattress, I think, on Craigslist for like $65. It was worth like $300, and it was gone in an hour. I was like... (laughs) (laughs) I had to go right. go to Walmart at 11 o'clock at night because I had nothing to sleep on. And that's why I ended up with a cut. Yeah. Interesting, but not fun times. But I'm back. We're back. Well, well, from cots to no beds getting burned in West Virginia last weekend. Yeah, that was a transition. Uh, let's go <laughs> ahead and re- recap the West Virginia game from this last week. Uh, whoever wants to jump in first, go for it. Yeah, I mean, obviously it was a good outcome for us after – um, a gut-wrenching loss at Texas Tech. I talked last week about how I thought X-Man has been underperforming at wide receiver, and he had a breakout game. I'm sure we'll talk about that. He even passed for a touchdown. Um, I thought it was nice that we got a lead and, and held the lead rather than losing it, um, which you know doesn't always happen with our, ho- our horns. So kudos to Sark and the players for keeping the pedal to the metal for the most part. And I thought Hudson played really well. Um, He only had six incompletions and threw three touchdowns. So good performance all around. What did y'all think, Bowen? Yeah, he he played really well. I was super proud of him. He was he was crushing out there. I think um, yeah. So Jake and I went in person. I think it was it was really nice for a change to have like a low average heart rate throughout the game. 
that was a, like a really nice change. Sometimes I'll send the guys photos of like my heart rate that my Apple watch tracks like during the game and it'll just like spike to just bad, bad level. So it was nice to have a lead and hold it, you know, for the, for the, for the game and have a pretty good, have a pretty good, um, have a nice relaxing evening. And then we topped it off with post game pluckers. And that was my first post post game pluckers this season. So that was, that was, a, that was a real nice touch. Andy, you what guys, do you think? Y'all also met some, some friends in the stadium, right? The West Virginia fans that I talked to on the phone. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. yeah. I forgot about <laughs> oh, that. Yeah, it was, it was so chill that, like, well, it was during an injury timeout. It was a pretty bad one. But, but um, you know, fortunately, I think the player's going to make a, you know, good recovery. But, yeah, we had some downtime. And the, the reception, kudos to CDC and the stadium, has been phenomenal. You can get cell reception. You can get data reception. And Kevin gave us a quick call to check in on how the um, injured West Virginia running back was was doing and then jake was uh chit-chatting with with some west virginia fans behind us and made good friends with them and um kevin got to talk with him on the phone for a little bit too actually what did y'all talk about kevin I, I so first i asked him who the player was uh tv didn't cover it very well they cut to time out very quickly because it looked to be a pretty serious injury so those of us watching at garrett's house didn't know what was going on or even who was hurt so i asked them who it was and they told me that it was the running back. And then I think I just asked them if they were enjoying being in Austin. I think they were from like the East Coast. The One guy dad. was from Austin and the other guy was from North Carolina. But yeah. he said at the end of the day, he was like, yeah, um, you changed my mind on on Texas fans. I thought y'all were y'all were terrible people and clearly you're not. So Hell yeah, <laughs> one at a time, changing hearts one at a time. <laughs> That's the goal. We'll say I care about the wins more than being liked by the opposing fans. Well, we but. we destroyed them and they still liked us. So, <laughs> um, I'll I'll go next. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I I was kind of concerned going to the game because we hadn't seen a lot of good from Xavier Worthy. A lot of the preseason hype just hadn't panned out. But he had a great game. Um, I mean, Kevin already kind of mentioned it, but more than a hundred yards receiving. Um. That was exciting. Also, I bought a burnt orange Yeti at the game. Um, I've always thought those would probably be like pretty overhyped purchases, but it is a tremendous deal. They like let you put your first drink in it for free. Um, well, and what so, did it cost? Yeah, I want to ask y'all, what would you pay for a Yeti, a burnt orange Yeti? It's like the 20 ounce one. It's not small. What would you pay for that alone? And what would you pay for it if they put a free drink in it to be considered a good deal? Is it a free liquor drink or a free beer? Liquor. Ooh. Ooh. I'd, oh, pay, I'd pay 35 bucks for that. I was going to say the same thing, Kev. So it was 45 but the Yeti is basically if you t- the drink was $16. So it was a $30 Yeti cup, which is probably cheaper than where you could buy it outside the stadium. Anyway, it was good. And then I left it in the stadium. But what? thankfully, thankfully, Rachel picked it up and brought it to pluckers and gave it to me even though she made me freak out before i got it (laughs) (laughs) on the on xavier worthy i want to talk about his passing touchdown that was such a cool play um and also after struggling through some you know down the field connections with recent quarterbacks like he looked so natural and the pass was perfect are you saying quarterback controversy with with x-man (laughs) 
No, I'm just like, it's not that complicated to like throw a pass <laughs> and and hit a receiver. And you've got Xavier Worthy wearing sticky gloves and he he threw a dart. It was perfect. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, let's have him throw the ball 30 times a game. Does he throw a ball like that, 30, you know, 21 times at like, Hudson did when he completed passes this past weekend. I'm not saying put him in at quarterback. I'm just like kudos to him. Like <laughs> he obviously doesn't practice it that much, and right. that play no, was executed I'm, perfectly. I got gotcha. you. I'm giving you a hard time, but it was it was awesome, awesome pass. And um, just kind of wrapping this up, this segment up. I yeah, I agree with everyone. Hudson had his best game as a Longhorn, which was awesome to see. Um, Quick question I just want to ask you all is since Hudson's been playing pretty well since uh, coming in for Quinn, do you all think if Quinn and Hudson are healthy this weekend, do you think we should play Hudson or should we transition back to Quinn? 100% Quinn. Yeah, I think we ride with Quinn. I mean, Hudson did a great job, but Quinn's the future. He needs to get reps in. Oh, yeah, I, I think I think I agree with y'all. Um, just a lot more potential with Quinn, but really thankful for Hudson. And if he has to come back and play um, and play this season, I have full confidence in him that we would be able to, you know, get the job done. So, uh, I will, Jake, I will Jake, say though, like, sorry, if uh, on the Hudson or Quinn thing, if Hudson wasn't gimpy with his leg and was more mobile, I think it would be. Uh, more of a conversation you know what I mean yeah I feel like that would help us against the OU defense which you know we'll talk about later but yeah no that's a good point Kev so um a fully healthy Hudson might be might change the the answer slightly so um yeah I, I think that would be something to be considered if that was the case Jake um can you give us a little preview on kind of this uh expectations for uh, yes. this weekend Oh, oh, expectations. Wow. I don't know if I'm going to get into that, but I will give you the, the demographics of the game. Obviously it's at 11 AM at the cotton bowl, um, on ABC, perfect weather. Uh, in fact, I can't, I can't give you all a better weather forecast than what I've got for you. High is going to be 81, which is about the time the game ends on Saturday, thinking somewhere in the 68 to 70 degree range at kickoff. It's gonna be like 58 when you first wake up Saturday morning. Partly cloudy, so you might even see a few clouds to cover you from the sun for a few minutes. Uh, don't forget your sunscreen, and yeah, no rain. Perfect weather. Humidity won't be too high either. Man, that's awesome, because last year it was super hot. That was not fun. And I don't know if y'all remember, but last year they ran out of water in the stadium. Yes, I remember very well. <laughs> Which was not great when you're dehydrated, <laughs> but um it's okay the bud lights just served their purpose last year so after friday night dinner you've got to have water saturday morning yeah yes yes very much so um but yeah kind of just thinking larger scope here um we've all been to texas ou game numerous times and kind of want to ask y'all real quick before we go into the breakdown what's y'all's favorite experience from texas ou so hard to answer uh man 
I could see I easy for me. It's the dicker that it's the it's 2018. The kick, the the Oklahoma come from behind, but we still go down and kick the field goal. It's that was it for sure. I think that's probably mine too. But the sad thing is, I was not in the stadium for that. <laughs> I left at halftime and went to a bar. Bro, um, it was a cool experience though. Let me explain. The bar was on a porch that was raised. It was like a wood porch. It's like two feet off the ground. And there's AstroTurf over the wood that you're sitting and standing on. Huge pro- projection TV, probably 300 people. The porch is over capacity, right? Mostly Texas fans. Dicker kicks the game-winning field goal. Everyone's moshing, like jumping up and down. And the porch broke, like, like sinkhole, you know? in the midst of 300 people <laughs> and I, not i didn't see anyone got that got hurt but it was pretty crazy to hear the reaction even outside the stadium and see people kind of like on the ground after they collapsed a structure celebrating yeah that's uh that's a cool story but you still should not have left the stadium but you know all guests will give you a pass on this one <laughs> i don't deserve it but yeah Laurel loves to do that too. Like last year in the fourth quarter, she left because she was just like, I can't watch this. I know it's going to happen. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, last year. Last year was rough for sure. Yeah. Bo, do you have a, do you have a favorite experience? Hard to beat 2018. Um, but I remember 2015 was fun too. I think we won that year as well. That was the first year that I went with my now wife, Emily. So a bit of a cheesy answer, but I remember the festival or the, the fair being pretty memorable that year. But the 2018 game is hard to beat. Yeah. 2018 was a really good year for me real quick is 2008. So um, that was a 45, 35 year. So that was a lot of fun. And, you know, transitioning to this year's Oklahoma team, um, they are definitely not as good as the 2008 or the 2018 Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, They're three and two on the year. They won their first three games. And after Nebraska, people thought they were kind of on a fast track to potentially make the college football playoff. But the last two weeks have kind of reared its ugly head against Oklahoma. Um, they lost to Kansas State at home, um, 41-34. And they just got blown out by TCU this past weekend. Um, yeah, was, the TCU game was just not not pretty on, on their side and kind of reminded me, I don't know about y'all, but it kind of reminded me of how Texas has looked the past decade. So what? real quick, what's y'all's? I don't know, just opinion about the game last weekend for Oklahoma. I think, obviously, it's sad to see their quarterback go out. I'm curious if, like, the Tua controversy is going to have the coaches inclined to not let him play this week, that being Dylan Gabriel. And it was, one, impressive to see another Big 12 team that's continued to prove that they're undefeated that was just not expected to be good early on in the season and fun to see OU get crushed for the second week in a row. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's I, – I totally agree with you, Kev. It, it was definitely not um, – it was not a great um, – it was not a great seeing the OU quarterback get hurt, but it was fun seeing OU struggle. And so that – Kind of goes into uh, this week with Dylan Gabriel. Uh, we don't know as of right now if he's going to play or not, but I agree with Kev. I think with the Tua situation and just how OU has operated historically, it would be kind of surprising to see 
him play this weekend, and that will have huge implications, obviously. Um, they're, they have some other injuries as well that I won't really dive into, but uh, they might be without their starting running back too, which would be a big um, um, impact on the game. So just kind of playing hypothetical, if Dylan Gabriel does play, um, he is mobile. He can use his legs, which has hurt us this year. Um, and he's a decent passer. He's He throws for about 64% completion rate. Um, he does overthrow the ball at times. And the interesting thing is if he was healthy, I think OU would use his legs a lot this weekend. But if he does play, I just don't think OU would um, utilize his legs and further risking another concussion. What do you think, Kev? Yeah, agreed. I really – I don't think he's going to play. Uh, the injury was pretty bad for those that didn't see it. He he was targeted, hit in the head, and then very quickly his head hit the ground pretty hard. So I don't think he's going to play. I think it'll be their backup, Davis Bevel, um, who is a transfer. I think he was at Pitt last season as the third-string quarterback. I try not to get lost in, in the box score, but I always end up doing it. Um, their quarterbacks last week had a really interesting stat line. They both – threw 16 passes uh, with seven completions and Davis Bevel with basically the same completion and attempt had significantly less productivity passing the ball than Dylan Gabriel. I mean like less than 50% of the yards with the same completion and attempt. So they're at a huge disadvantage. Um, And I actually didn't know that about their running back, but I just, I just can't see Dylan Gabriel suiting up and playing. We, yeah. We've got to, we've got to talk about the third string quarterback though, just because of his name. Did y'all do any? <laughs> did y'all do any analysis on General Booty? <laughs> not not past his name, no. No. If they do make a booty call, I don't think it will be successful for them on Saturday. So yeah, we'll we'll see how that plays out, but probably an unsu- unsuccessful booty call. So. Um, <laughs> but thank you, Jake, for bringing that up. We we needed to talk about his name for a second. But uh, just rounding out the rest of their offense, um, Eric Grace, our big running back that um, is a little gimpy right now, but uh, averages about seven yards a carry, which is kind of similar to Bijan. Um, so he's pretty productive. Um, really, their biggest threat, though, is probably Marvin Mims. Um, he killed us last year in the game. Um, Caught a couple of deep balls that really hurt us. Um, he's one of the better receivers in college football. So that's a guy to keep an eye on. And also Braden Willis. Um, I think he's probably the best tight end we will face the rest of the year. So um, that's also something to consider. Um, but yeah, Kev, you want to dive into the defense real quick? Yeah. So the last two games, we did an analysis of how they did on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, they've lost two straight. Um, and I'll just call out the the rushing defense, which has been abysmal for them against TCU and K-State. They gave up 361 yards on the ground last week against TCU and almost 300 yards on the ground at Kansas State. So potentially a really good game for our running back room, which is relatively healthy right now. So hopefully Bijan gets, gets a big game going. Um, yeah, just to kind of take it up a notch as we wrap up here, you know, leading into the season, we felt like OU was overrated with the departure of Lincoln Riley and, you know, a ton of their offensive talent. Also, we didn't feel like their program was inclined to succeed this year. 
because uh, Lincoln Riley's a big offensive guy. He called the plays, and their new head coach, Brent Venables, is historically a defensive coordinator and just has a completely different approach to the game. So not a huge surprise that they've underachieved, but the combination of injuries and you know the transfer portal and coaching change, I think, makes a pretty strong case for the Horns this weekend. Nice. That's um, that's a good analysis, both of you, on the Oklahoma team. I was going to just squeeze this in real quick before the break. Um, are we confident that we will see Quinn fully healthy this week? I was just going to say I, I did hear Sark say in his press conference um, that it was kind of an interesting quote. He said, the quarterbacks are healthier than we've ever been since the start of the season, which to me – is either just Sark speak, I don't know, but that, that means healthier than before the Bama game. I think we will see him. He was suited up for the game last weekend, which wasn't the case at Tech. So he probably could have played last week. And yeah, he, yeah. He, he had his like helmet in his hand, ready to go. Like he was right in the um, like sideline like amped up ready to go he was he was, yeah he wanted to play for sure so pete, well i think we'll see him this week sounds like pete thamel had it right though four to six weeks this will be mm-hmm. four weeks so even though sark made it sound like he might come back the first week yeah plus but. they're gonna they're gonna shoot him up with you know cortisone or whatever it is drugs that they give these kids these days and he's he's gonna be fine okay well good stuff um We are going to take a short break and we will be back with the fashion focus. And we're back with our very popular fashion focus segment. I'm here to introduce our two special guests this week, Mary Paige Harris and Emily Kai. Welcome to football on the 40. Thank y'all for joining. How are you doing today? Hey guys, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Excited to be back. We are very excited to have you back and we are not the experts. So you take it over, Mary Page. You uh, start going and just have at it. Okay, so um, L'Oreal really had us excited last year. She was new on the scene as our first lady. Um, we studied her outfits and so she's made a lot of interesting statements already this season. So let's start with going through what we have seen. Um, when she was on ESPN, we saw her in a blazer and kind of a pantsuit, um, with high orange heels. So something we're seeing throughout this season is accents of orange. That's another repeated thread from last year. Um, at the Bama game, we saw her in a white mini skirt with a UT jersey. What's interesting and could be a little bit controversial is the number on her jersey was number one, which we all know is Hudson Card. So very interesting that she started the game wearing Hudson's jersey, not knowing what would happen throughout that game. Wow. Um, so some interesting takes there. I'd love to hear L'Oreal's opinion on that. Curse or coincidence? That's crazy. I, I didn't, I didn't put that together until you just mentioned that just now. Also for, for our listeners, if you want to follow along, um, as Mary page is going through this, the link will be in our bio or in the show notes to her Instagram, feel free to scroll along as, as she's going through it. Um, 
and and you'll see the visual uh, representation of what MP is talking about. But yeah, that's some that's some really crazy insight. It's it's no surprise. Okay, this is the last thing I'll say. It's no surprise that none of the other burnt orange media folks are are commenting commenting on that. You're only going to hear that on this podcast. Thanks, Bowen. I agree. Um, so continuing from there, that's probably the most controversial thing um, that I've seen her wear, but we've also seen, um, a white, (laughs) a white, um, almost you could say Reese Witherspoon outfit. It's a white suit really brings on some classy Southern vibes. Last season, we saw, um, some more out there patterns, patterns on patterns, um, more wild style, if you will. But this season, we're seeing a little bit more of a classy Southern look. Um, Lots of heels, not many boots. Um, We've also seen a denim dress with wedges. And one designer that we're seeing a little bit more of is Elizabeth Perpich. And she's known for her longhorn purses that she's created. They're pretty neat. They're made of leather and the handle and the purse together form a cutout of a longhorn. So you might see her sporting that. Um, throughout the rest of the season. What's interesting is for Tech, she wasn't at the game. She was actually in Italy um, doing some things with fashion. So interesting why she picked that game to be gone, but I guess it was a good one to not be at. Um, And then recently, we've also seen her at the last game sporting pink for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And I thought this outfit choice was really touching because her um, grandmother had breast cancer. And so she wore this outfit in memory of her grandmother um, and kind of pulled off a legally blonde style. Her comments were that she was trying to pull off an old fashioned Barbie look with her high pony and leather pink skirt. Um, So some things that we've seen throughout, she's partnering a lot with Billions Pink. It's a company um, from Atlanta and they work with hair extensions. And so you've seen lots of different hairstyles throughout this season. She can wear any style and they all look good on her, I think. Um, but which one has been y'all's your favorite, Emily? The short hair, long hair, I've seen curly. She's really pulling them all off. Honestly, I'm a fan of the short hair. I feel like short hair for fall is really seasonal and on point. I agree. Have y'all seen um, this this look that she's got with with blonde hair on her Instagram? Yeah, so that's actually was um, during the tech game when she was on her Italy tour. Man, she should sport that this weekend. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not since we lost the last time she sported <laughs> yeah. it. It seems like she are... knows things before games. I'm noticing a, a non-fashion trend here. I second that. It's interesting that she was gone for that win. Maybe she's our good luck charm. And the Hudson thing. I don't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, something we haven't seen much of is last season, she really, she would tag all of the designers that she would wear. This season, we're seeing more subtle um, hints of designer wear, um, but also more of a local approach. As I mentioned with the Elizabeth Perpich designer, she's actually someone from Houston. So we've got a local Texas designer there. What's surprising also is that she hasn't worn any Chanel, which if you look at L'Oreal's last birthday, her whole cake, three tiers, was styled after a Chanel purse. Um, so that's one thing we haven't seen. 
Um, we also haven't seen her suede hat that she purposely purchased for the football season. It's featured on our Instagram and we haven't seen it yet. So it could be something that we're looking out for at this game. But Emily, I remember last season, you talked about how she really doesn't wear that much burnt orange and it only appears in like hints here and there. And mm -hmm. I feel like that was like so fascinating because then I started following her on Instagram and then noticing that same thing throughout the season. I'm seeing it again this season. Yes. Okay. I'm glad you're noticing that too, because I see it as well. Not a lot of burnt orange, just subtle things like in her shoes or her purse. But as we saw last year, she waited to make a statement until Texas. So you, we mm -hmm. saw the matching tailor-made matching pantsuits with her Sark's, and Sark. Sark's suit was horrendous that game, I thought. Y'all might have a more informed opinion, but there was like pinstripe longhorn colors on the side of his suit pants. Do you remember that? Oh, I remember. I think it caught everyone by surprise. But I think that's what she meant to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a statement, but that's what fashion is. She was making a statement. It was a bold one. Um, and it also showed a lot of unity on their part. Do you think they'll coordinate again? I don't know. I think we got some hot takes on that one, probably. <laughs> Hard to say. I, I think there's a good chance that she does something completely unexpected. I have some concerns about her Instagram feed. I, I think the hats, it sounds like MP, you're predicting the hat this weekend and maybe some Chanel. Is that what I'm gathering from your prediction? You could go there. I think she will wear the hat. Chanel, I could see her waiting till later in the season because I think she's gonna pull off something that we can't predict. Or I could see just this season being just also like a different phase in her fashion style life of just like her focus, just being more on the local designers, like you mentioned. And that's just like, just where she's at right now. That's an interesting thought. I hadn't thought about that, Emily, but I think you could be right because we see her last year. She's really trying to make her face known. She started with I think last spring she had 30,000 followers and now we're looking at over 46,000. Um, so last year with all of the designers that she was wearing and tagging, I think it was to try and get her name out there and make face. But I think you could be right. Maybe this year, I mean, as we saw last week, she wore something for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. She's pulling in more local designers. So maybe she's also adding more thought and meaning to what she's wearing. Um, but Emily, you earlier were telling me about some fun fashion tips that you've learned recently. Yes. So there's been this tip that's been circulating on TikTok that I fell into a rabbit hole on. And so I'm excited to share it with y'all. So what they recommended some TikTok fashion stylists was to go in your closet and look at the clothes that you wear on a regular basis, like the clothes that you most frequently, frequently wear. It doesn't have to be like what you like to wear. Like sometimes you might not even like it. You just wear it a lot. Just look at those clothes and come up with two adjectives to describe that style of what you actually wear the most often. And then take a look at like what you 
would like your style to aspirationally be and come up with that third adjective to describe like where you'd like to be. So I think people have been calling it like the three words of your fashion style. So I'm curious. Yeah. And there's other parts to it too, where like, then you can look through your closet of what you don't wear and separate it between like what doesn't fit you, just like things you should donate. And then the second category of things that like you don't really wear, but you're not ready to let go of. And like, maybe it's from a different season of your life. Maybe it's like maternity clothes or just like, yeah, clothes from that don't really fit your style anymore and put it in a box so that it's out of your closet, decluttered. So it's out of sight. And you can just think about it like next year, if you want to donate them or not. And then the third category of clothes that you don't wear are things that you just don't really know how to style it for. And so then you can kind of mix and match. But going back to L'Oreal Sarkeesian's um, style, what three adjectives do you think best describes her style? Wow. Okay. That's super interesting. Now I kind of want to go into my closet and see what my three words would be. Right. So lately becoming a mom, I'm trying to figure out what my new style is going to be. (laughs) Um, oh man, this is tough. Local, right? Yeah. For this season, I think local is a good one. And it's also good to have like these three adjectives be pretty different from each other so that they can create like an interesting, balance because style is what happens when like there's a little balance of like everything together so it's about like Mm -hmm. the whole picture so looking at her Instagram I feel like she wears a lot of like bold things Mm -hmm. a lot of structured things a lot of her outfits are also like very like edgy very sexy so like those are some of the words that like come to mind for me yeah I agree and very, um, she really likes to accentuate her waist as well, which is kind of a look we're seeing come back in, but is um, more of a retro look that we're seeing more of these days. Almost a mix of retro and also chic. Yeah, like retro, sculptural. Mm-hmm. So what, so what word would y'all say she needs to add to her, her wardrobe? Burnt orange. orangey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I feel like she's, she's got, I mean, she's such a style icon. So she's got the balance all figured out. Um, but yeah, those are, I probably describe her style as sculptural, bold, and edgy and she could if we were to add a fourth one it can be burnt orange I agree I keep looking back at her photo from Milan during her Italy tour with the Dolce and Gabbana and throwing up the hookum with these spikes on her knee-high boots very edgy and sculptured maybe she'll come out um next game with like a full burnt orange bodysuit like tracks, what do you call it? Those tracksuit, like the burnt orange on burnt orange. Yes. And then with that hat. The monochromatic. Yeah. No, I'm, ex- a lot I'm of, excited. I think she's going to make a statement with whatever she wears. I've heard a lot of best words in this segment. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, ha- I have a question for y'all really quickly. Uh, because my wife 
in pre- preparation for OU specifically, like sets out her clothes and takes like two hours to just try everything on and combine stuff and panics and tells me she's freaking out and has this whole process of like picking game day clothing. Do you guys approach it similarly or is it a simple choice? Emily, I'll let you go first. Well, I'll be honest. I don't have that much like burnt orange. I have like a couple of pieces of burnt orange and white. So like my, my three words are comfort, minimalist, and my third word aspirational is like, um, what is it? Playful. So I have this one dress that's like plaid and like burnt orange and white. And so then I like try to wear that every other week because it's just so comfortable and I just don't happen to have that many comfortable game day clothes. So I'll, I won't repeat that super often, but I'll repeat it as much as I can. So that's kind of my, my, very much like my process, very simple, straightforward. Yeah. Your process seems a lot more organized than mine. I envy you. Um, I'm a little bit more like Kevin's wife on this one, though. I think for Texas OU, there is just so much more hype to it. I mean, it is the game of the season, whether you like football or not, everyone tunes into Texas OU. And it's also exciting because it's finally fall. We have this change in weather. Um, So everyone gets really excited about what they're going to wear for me at least now as a mom, I have a lot on my to-do list, but they don't always tend to get checked off the list. So looking for an outfit for Texas OU has been on my mind probably all football season. And I'm still (laughs) like, I was researching tonight to figure out what clothes am I going to buy for this weekend? So I'll probably end up doing what Kevin's wife, Laurel did and pulling everything out of my closet. If I don't find something this week. (laughs) Good luck. Yeah, (laughs) you can, you can wish Andrew good luck. Well, ladies, it has been an honor and a privilege to have you on the show again, Mary Page and Emily for the first time. We really do appreciate it. And um, we honestly, of all of the segments we've done in our 23 episodes to this point, we have by far had the most comments of when are you going to bring fashion corner, fashion focus back. So thank you all for coming on once again and for the first time this year, Emily. And we are going to take another quick break and we will be back with Betting Corner. This Football on the 40 episode is brought to you by Hospitology. Hospitology is a weekly newsletter written by fellow Longhorn Blake Madden. It covers interesting, not boring stories at the intersection of business and healthcare, like why Amazon bought One Medical and interesting health tech startups paving the way for the future of healthcare. If you want to get smarter on the crazy world of healthcare, subscribe to Hospitology today at workweek.com forward slash brand forward slash hospitology. And we're back for another segment of Betting Corner. Wow, what a great fashion-focused segment. I mean, talk about learning. I mean, that's just so much so much to soak up in that last segment Whew. we can hopefully apply it to hopefully y'all will be able to apply it in y'all's um you know attire choices but now as we look ahead to the betting corner uh, this last week yeah texas did well we covered um the under hit barely um but we as a team we did fairly well weekly standings andy was in first with a perfect week 
Jake followed closely behind with also a perfect week. Andy did a little bit better because he had some uh, plus money bets out there, but both phenomenal showings. Myself, I did fairly well as well, not as quite as well as uh, Andy and Jake, but I was in third. And Kevin was in the uh, money and fourth, also in the money. So we were all positive this week. <laughs> Overall, I'm still on but- top. Andy and Jake are behind. And then Kevin is still in last. Jake, what do you think? I was just going to say, yes, Kevin technically had a, a, a week in the green finally, yeah. but but it but the gap was widened significantly between the rest of us because of how green our weeks were versus his and man he's just i I just don't think he knows how to be in the green last year you were in the red and you won (laughs) but we were just more in the red i don't know i don't know man i'm it's just me versus me at this point you know like this is about who am i like am i gonna be a dog like when i'm in the bottom and and fight back into the positives or am i just gonna quit and i'm here to tell you i'm gonna be a dog i was up over the weekend, but read out how many units I was up last weekend, just for the fans out there. Before, oh, you mean for the whole week? Yeah, for the week I was like point zero six units. Point six four units. I mean, that's making money. That's making money. It's making money. That's making slowly but surely. Overall, still True. feeling bad about myself betting wise, and now I'm like you, feeling bad about my. Better, over- you had a better week than the S and P, so you know that's there Kevin, you go. That's pretty good. There you wow. go. There, there you go. But but Kevin is still f- now 14.9 units behind me, and I'm in third place. Hey, so that's well, a pretty substantial. The Longhorns have shown you what you can do with a 14-point lead at halftime. And... <laughs> wow, there you go. I love that. They're, love they're that. also the only reason I'm in the green, because I put all my money in on them last week. So. <laughs> I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to be a dog the rest of the season. Also, nice. I have to say credit to Andrew, Andrew for having a perfect week after the perfect P. Good job. Good it, was, it was much needed for sure. Good bounce back. All right. So looking ahead to this game, you know, we've, we've previewed it really well on the other segments. Um, we opened as six point favorites, which means that um, the Vegas, the odds makers, they think that we're going to win by more than six points. That line. So the, the betting spread is what it's called has now shifted all the way up to seven and a half points. So Vegas has adjusted it based on how many people were betting on Texas to win by at least six. And so they're obviously adjusting it to account for, you know, the other side. And so that's super scary, potentially a trap. I mean, that's over a touchdown that they expect us to win. And I think that this is the, the last time we were favored was in 2012. And we were favored by three and a half and lost by 42 points that season. So that's a stat for you. Um, Over under for this week is 66, which if you've listened to previous episodes, most of the past weeks have been around like 62, 60. So 66 is a pretty, you know, pretty high over under. I mean, that's over 10% more than a line of 60, right? So they're expecting a high scoring game, lots of points on the board. Um, and from a money line perspective, which means just picking a winner, if you pick Texas, it's minus 270, which means that you'd have to bet $27 to win $10. And if you bet OU, it's plus 220, which means that if you put $10 on the line, you could win 22. So yeah, crazy. I, who knew that we would be at this point 
before the season. Um, very, very interesting week ahead of us. Um, Andy, we'll start with you first. You liking anything in this Texas game, or are you is this a stay away week? So I don't like with it being at seven and a half. I don't like it, but I'm going to do something for the first time this year. I'm going to. Um, I don't know what the correct term of this is. Juicing it up. I don't know. Juicing it down. Who knows? But I'm want to. I want the line to be six and a half. Um, I feel pretty confident that Texas will win. Um, the teams that have um, won the rushing battle uh, in this game since 2000 has won um, uh, 19 times out of 22. So um, I think Texas will win the rushing battle this weekend. And if they do, I think it will be by more than six and a half. The seven and a half kind of scares me. So Texas to cover six and a half for two units. Two units. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's just called buying points, and you could totally do that. So I'll get that in. That's the I'm only one in. that you have on the Texas game. Yeah, that's yeah, that's it for me. And okay. and I'm not interested in putting any money on this game. I have plenty of emotions on this game already, so I don't need to hedge or any of that. So go to wow. Kevin. Okay, <laughs> Kevin, you're up. All right, I'm nervous. Um, I got a lot to lose here, but I'm a dog. I'm a dog. Uh, five units on the horns to cover. Not going to tease the line. Agree with everything Andrew said. Preseason, all of us picked a win against OU, except I think Bowen. We have more depth than OU. Our quarterbacks are healthier than OU. OU's rushing defense is bad. And yeah, I'll just leave it at that. And, and okay. I'm scared dropping that bet. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, Awesome. I can close this out here on the on the Texas side. I I know the over under is super high, but I, I still like the over. I think if Quinn comes back, especially we're going to be slinging at Oklahoma. I don't know if they'll um, they'll hold up their end of the the total, but I feel like we'll be able to account for at least maybe sixty percent of it. So hopefully they can put some points on the board. Um, I'm putting five units on on the on the over this week. All right. Elsewhere around the league. Um, yeah, like Jake mentioned, there's a ton of other games out there. I'll call out a few, a few notable ones. Um, AM at Alabama. Alabama's favored by 24 and a half points. Um, Auburn at Georgia. Georgia's favored by 29 and a half. And the last one I'll call out is game day this week. Number 17, TCU is at number 19, Kansas. TCU is six point favorites. So those are some pretty, pretty notable matchups, but anything else y'all are liking around the league or any of those, uh, Jake, we can start with you first. Yeah, I'll go first. Crazy about game day going to Lawrence for the first time. Um, also who would have thought before the season started that Texas and OU would be a non-ranked game. That's not one of the premier games of the week, but also that Bama and A&M after all the preseason hype would be looking like that. It's crazy that that's the game of the week, but um, I want to first put two units on Kansas on the money line to beat TCU outright in Lawrence uh, at a plus 225 odds there. Um, also, I feel really confident about, about Bama over AM. AM has shown me nothing. And, and I, I mean, I don't know. I just really think that Alabama, especially with the, the offseason, you know, battle or whatever between Saban and Jimbo. I just think that 
Alabama is going to destroy them at home, probably by 40 or 50 points, and they have no incentive to stop scoring. So I'm going with Alabama minus 24 and a half for four units. Um, and then my last year, I'll just read off real quick. We've played UTSA. They've looked good. I think that six and a half point cover over Western Kentucky is a safe bet, two units. And then got to stick with Tennessee and my boy Hendon Hooker minus two and a half against LSU for two units. Dang. So what, what if uh, Bryce Young doesn't play against AM? I don't think it matters. He, the, I mean, who, who is Alabama's backup? Jalen Milrow. It, he's better than any guy on AM's quarterback room. So. I agree with you, Jake. Jalen Milrow actually played played pretty well last week. And I'm sure he was a five-star recruit. So He was. He was committed to us for a little while, actually. Mm-hmm. That's why I know that name. Andy, you want to go next? Yeah, I got it. Uh, again, I'm, I don't know how I feel about this overall, but I'm going to be copying a good amount of Jake's bets. So... <laughs> Uh, Jake will either have a good weekend again, or we're going to be in misery. That's been, that's been the story of the season, Andy. We've just been right by each other. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so starting off Kansas, I, I agree with you, you know, got to keep going with the momentum. So I'm going to go money line on Kansas for one unit. Um, then, um, what else? Uh, uh, UTSA. I copied you on that one too. I think the Roadrunners um, have been playing really well since they lost to us. Western Kentucky is really good, but I don't think it will be a match for UTSA at UTSA. So I'm going to say four units for UTSA covering. And then uh, my last pick is Oklahoma State. They looked really impressive against Baylor. They played Tech at home. Uh, Tech has improved. Uh, They played well against Kansas State, um, but I don't see them. Um, I don't see them beating Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and I don't think it'll be within ten, which is the spread. So I'm going to go Oklahoma State to cover for three units. Kev, what, what are the rest of your bets? So I also want to bet on the TCU Kansas game, but before I do, who who did Kansas beat last week? Really quick, Iowa State. Okay, okay, okay. All right, yeah. I got to go on the opposite side of this because I got to catch up to you guys. I'm going to do uh, TCU cover for two units. And I'm also, I agree with you, Andrew. Oklahoma State is looking solid. If you remember back, they're my predicted team to win the conference. So um, I'm going to put three units on Oklahoma State to cover. And that'll be it for me for the week. Nice. I like it. Oh, man, everyone's got action on this Kansas TCU game. I got to get in there, too. I was not planning on that. I I'm a Jayhawk believer too. I think, you know, the more that we invest in then winning now, it'll set us up for some, uh, some, some emotional hedging later this season when it's an inevitable showdown against Kansas. So I'll put two units on, on Kansas money line as well. Um, but yeah, that's it for me. I think it'll be a light week for me. I feel like slow and steady has been, has been good to me so far. I have a question since we, we did this, it was about six or seven weeks ago, preseason pod, we asked which would be worse, losing to Oklahoma or losing to Kansas? And I think the, it was unanimous losing to Kansas would be worse. It, do we still feel the same way with it being 5-0 and Kansas and 3-2 and Oklahoma? 
It's closer I, for sure. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no for me. I think the loss to OU is worse than a loss to Kansas right now. Yeah, I agree, Jake. I I think a loss to OU would be not great. Sark needs a big win, even though OU is not their normal standard. But Sark, Sark needs a big win and win to point at. And, I mean, his best win right now is what, Louisiana Lafayette last year? Really? Or UTSA this year? Wait, his marquee win is not even so, a conference win? That's the only ranked win we've had. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. So, oh I mean, Sark needs to point to something, and I, I think he'll get the job done this weekend, but um, he needs something positive. I'm just – my eyes are wide open. That's our only ranked win? Well, we, I mean, we went five and seven last year, and so if you take – and we've and we've won three games, so you have eight games right there, and you know four of them are out of conference, right? So, yeah. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> Kevin's, not, Kevin's, Kevin's not gonna sleep well tonight. <laughs> and, and and when we beat OU this weekend, it still will not be a ranked win, so it's okay. It's true. Yeah. Gosh. All right. Well, thanks, fellas. I will get those bets in. Let's let's have another solid week with positive uh, positive returns out there. Okay, we're moving into our last segment, which is the mailbag segment. Um, before, do we have any mailbags this week? Does somebody, Bowen? I think you usually do this, so I'm going to hand it off to you, Bowen. Yeah, I don't think we got any new mailbags this week, but we did want to take this opportunity, given that it is Texas OU week. For our uh, listeners of the podcast, I think one of our earlier episodes this season, one of the wagers was who would win, or one of the mailbag questions, I'm sorry, was who would win in a 40-yard dash, Andrew or Jake? So it was more controversial than I expected. I, you know, from my view, just uh, from from a non-emotional, just from an analytics X's and O's perspective, I thought, you know, from my view, it was a clear favor, but we're going to have an opportunity this weekend to see it play out. That's right. You heard it here, folks. We're going to have the first annual football on the 40, 40 yard dash between <laughs> Jake and Andy. The venue is still TBD. We will likely go live on IG to stream the race so that we see glory or defeat for <laughs> one of, one of the folks on the podcast and bragging rights for the for the rest of the year so that's that's going to be an incredible incredible opportunity we need to we need to lay out the um the logistics on this episode to kind of see like you know whatever what the what the participants are are feeling but i'm i'm excited for the race it's gonna be it's gonna be huge so just scheduling note it will be uh 9 30 a.m sunday morning is when uh, roughly when we will go live so have your phones out and set your notifications to on can we <laughs> promise that this will become a saved story on our account yes oh 100 oh i'm ready for that <laughs> okay like location it. what kind of ground conditions do you guys want to run in are we talking asphalt are we talking grass ideally track Tracker field, not asphalt. Asphalt's unpredictable. There's too many loose rocks. I'll probably hurt myself. <laughs> okay, okay, we'll find a track in the Dallas. And, then, and then if you have grass, if, grass. If you is have a track available in the Dallas Metroplex area, please let us know. <laughs> Just kidding. We'll, we'll, find one. we'll find one for sure. Okay, what, so we what have about, we have the terrain. 
What about footwear? So I, I'm hearing that Jake has cleats and he demands is... that he has to wear his cleats. No, I'm not going to, I have cleats for like grass. I'm not going to run with cleats on a track, but also my footwear is none of anyone's business. This is a race. And however I show up prepared to the race that's, is all that matters. That's like, would, that's like two political candidates agree to a debate and one of them doesn't have a podium. <laughs> well, I promise I will wear shoes. No, you just don't I get think, to pick which shoes. <laughs> I think if we if we are really battling our manhood right now, or on Sunday, um, we should do it barefoot. You know, not give anyone any advantage. Of course, Andy's trying to take out elements of a traditional run because he knows he can't beat me straight up. <laughs> straight up, straight okay, up would Andy. be naked. That would be. <laughs> right and andy andy has offered barefoot jake what is what is your what is your response barefoot i mean we'll clear out the we'll clear out the track it's going to be on the track i would still probably beat him but no i'm not running barefoot i don't want to tear up my feet yeah i'm i'm definitely kidding about what about okay regular average joe tennis shoes yeah tennis shoes i mean you're not going to have an advantage without like unless you have track I'm not running with cleats on the track because they're like the tennis shoes on the track whatever um shotgun start anything else we need to discuss yeah the shotgun start thing is actually important there has to be a clear audible on your mark set pow it doesn't have to be a real gun but there has to be a very loud start that is consistent i mean you start... get a firecracker my mother can we actually have can we actually have a real shotgun no 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 way. probably not <laughs> no. <laughs> okay all right anything else we need to we need to discuss fellas Jake, Jake, will you accept the results if you do not win? That's a hard question because it has to be a fair race before I can admit to accepting the results. We'll if have a, a recount. We'll have an audit. If it's, a, if it's a cleared. If, if there are no mail-in ballots, I will accept the results. We'll, we'll, have, we'll have independent independent uh, race timers too. Bipartisan. Nonpartisan. Okay. Nonpartisan okay. race timers. Bowen, who's your pick really quick? Dude. Jake, for sure. <laughs> I cannot wait Andy, to prove I love everyone wrong. I will prove everyone wrong in brunch afterwards. Y'all Jake, will get such an earful from Jake me. works out. Jake works out more in a week than we collectively do in a month. I bet. Easy. I don't care. I don't Jake don't doesn't know. have the heart. Andy exercised today. <laughs> That makes All it right, seem like we'll see. We'll see. Sunday, Sunday morning, 9.30 a.m. Central. Set up, yeah, turn the notification bells on. It's going to be the race of the century. Andy, I'm rooting hard for you, bud, because you're going to be a pain in the butt if you win, and it's going to be so funny. <laughs> hey, hey, Andy, do you want to put a side bet on it like you did on Betting Corner? Same, same bet? Well, Mary Page is going to be listening to this podcast, so no. <laughs> all right yeah that's that's the mailbag for this week folks it's gonna be it's gonna be a good one this weekend oh man okay well that brings us to the end of this this episode uh that was a fun one y'all um but everybody thank you for tuning in um go out and support the horns in dallas this weekend we appreciate y'all listening and we appreciate our producer hamilton who puts this all together so that's all i got thanks for listening we have episodes every thursday we'll catch you next week on football on the 40 hook them